Welcome to Asian Book Club, where we highlight Asian and Asian American authors. We are your hosts, Jimmy and Sabongin. And I'm Stephen Park. And Merry Christmas, Christmas and, and Happy holidays. holidays. We are here to celebrate with you. This upcoming weekend is the holiday that me and Jimmy celebrate, which mm-hmm. is Christmas. But whichever holiday you choose to celebrate, we hope you have a really great time with whoever you spend it with. Yes. For us at Asian Book Club, we are celebrating by finishing up this book, which is Pasco Na My Love by six different authors. Mm -hmm. And we'll list them at the end again just for everyone to have. Yes. But one of the things I noticed in this book was something that I've noticed that's pretty specific to certain cultures. Mm. It's not necessarily something that I've noticed a lot with Korean cultures growing up, but it's something that was in this book. And that thing is Tita Baby. Mm. So from the outside standpoint and having seen different friends and their families, Mm. I've noticed that with larger families, we tend to get these Tita Babies or these Tito Babies or like the uncles that are like 20 years younger than the nephew or the niece Mm -hmm. or the cousins that are really close. I don't know. The family dynamics seem very different. Definitely. So, like you're saying, there can be wide ranges of ages where, for example, even in my family, I have an aunt who is younger than me, but she's my aunt because I think it's their dad is a cousin of my mom. Mm -hmm. So, even though they're younger, I'm calling them tita. Mm -hmm. Which... Does that feel weird to you? Not necessarily. It's all in Filipino culture. It's more about relationship rather than age. Mm -hmm. And I think on Guam as well, specifically, when it comes to the family tree or the inner circle of a family, it's all about that relationship that doesn't make it weird for us. Mm Mm-hmm. I also feel like there are certain characters that are spread amongst larger families and at parties. Like there are certain titos or like some certain like people that it seems like everyone has. Yes. One of the things we talked about because it came up through social media is how the Filipino flag was deemed as not patriotic when it was worn as a sash for this girl's graduation. Mm. And then it came to the conversation of like, well why not wear the flag we do it here all the time with like the american flag exactly and then we then talked about how there seems to always be that one uncle that's always wearing the standard like filipino flag on a zip up or something like that yes exactly it's always a tito boy Mm -hmm. yeah like that like what is a tito boy tito boy so the what's interesting is every family big or small there's a tito boy there's a tito girl and that's their actual names. Like, their name is boy? And girl, or girlie, or boyette. Hmm. And they're not always nicknames. Like, in this book, Tita Baby was a nickname, but mm-hmm. that's not always the case. Sometimes their actual name is Baby. Wow. Interesting. Yes. That's awesome. So, yeah. I, it's a world that I don't know very well. I also grew up in a very small family, so I didn't have large parties to attend. So maybe mm. it is something that's also part of Korean cultures and customs, but it's just not something I had known very well. Mm. I think if I were in Korea, my family is a lot larger there. Mm. But still, there is no Tito boy or like Samchun Ai or something like that. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's not 
something that I recognize. So it was kind of cool and it's kind of funny to see it in this context. For sure. Where it's also very normalized. Yeah. And I think that's something this book did very well was normalize a lot of the standards and things you would see in different Filipino parties and Absolutely. customs and cultures. So, Absolutely. Yeah. And if you find yourself going to one of these parties and you want to get all dolled up and look really cool, there's going to be one way to do so by accessorizing and that's going to be our recommendation for the week. recommendation for the week is Cambio & Co. They create handcrafted jewelry by Filipino artisans that connect people to the Philippines or in their words the motherland. They're based in Canada and they ship worldwide. The type of jewelry that they create are very reminiscent of the classic jewelry, the ones that are very intricate, the ones that have little dangly portions on them, but they also have modernized pieces as well that have like petals and different additions to them other than the gold that we're accustomed to in Philippine jewelry. You can learn more about their work via their website at shopcombio.co. Cambio is C-A-M-B-I-O, and on Instagram at Cambio underscore co, C-O. Yeah, so go check them out, and that's going to be our recommendation for the week. Okay, so we are reading and finishing Pasco Nama Love, a holiday romance anthology, and this has been written by El Cruz, Maan Gabriel, Maeda Malbi, Mia Hopkins, Sarah Smith, and Tiff Marcello. Previously, we read Eden and Nick's story. We also read Ollie and Nora's story. But moving forward, we're reading the last two stories, which are So It's You by Maida Malby and My Only Love by Man Gabriel. Mm-hmm. And so what does the book tell us about So It's You? The So It's You blurb says, Vida and her maternal grandmother, Nati Moore, share a special bond, the same birthday on Christmas Eve, 50 years apart. This year, Lola Nati will celebrate her 100th birthday, and Vida plans to do everything to make sure her grand party goes off without a hitch, even if that includes hiding the identity of the man she's dating. Rafa Bamacera fell for Vida long before he became her grandmother's physician. Ten years younger than her, he chafes at being kept a secret. When he pushes for a deeper commitment, will Vida continue to deny his role in her life? Or will she finally admit that they belong together? Mm-hmm. And so you predicted this one. Yes, I did. This one is Vida's story. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of what you also predicted. It was a secret lover. Yes. That we didn't know much about. Mm-hmm. And he's a secret because Vida is worried about what other people think. Right. And so the story's fairly straightforward. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's Vida having this guy who's the doctor of Lola Nati, mm-hmm. and she clearly loves him. Yes. And Rafa clearly loves her. Yes. But Vida just doesn't want to admit to this because she's afraid of the age gap, which is about mm-hmm. 10 years. Mm-hmm. And the fact that she doesn't want to ruin the relationship of doctor patient to her Lola Nati because Rafa mm. does such a good job of mm-hmm. being her doctor. Yeah. So this is kind of the very straightforward, very secret lovers trope. Mm-hmm. Eventually, though, they don't stay secret lovers. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason why is because Lola Nati is the one who gives her blessing. Right. Lola Nati knows all along. Because she's very sharp. Right. She's a smart lady. And I think in this story is where my perception of Lola Nati changed a little bit. Mm. Like, we knew that she was very prestigious, very smart, very kind. Mm-hmm. But 
I think with the way that she was described in all these other stories, she seemed like a very passive character at this mm. point in time of her life. Like she was sitting down on her chair or this is at least a perception that I got. Mm-hmm. She wasn't going out and doing a lot, I guess. Fair. I mean, she is older. Right. But then in this story, we see how she's walking around. I think this is the one where she's up and dancing a little yes. bit. Yes. She also gives that speech at the end, which is very like well done speech Mm -hmm. so this story now changed the perception of who lola nati was for me and it stayed true to the character that everyone seemed to be more attracted by i think the biggest reason why we get this perspective is because vita is kind of her caretaker Mm -hmm. and so she has this behind the scenes look of who lola nati is in person like not just as an enigma or not as a symbol Mm-hmm. of the family matriarch mm-hmm. but as an actual human being mm-hmm. and so this is a secret lover's trope yes how did you find this in terms of readability i sped through this faster than i anticipated considering mm-hmm. how chunky each of the chapters were i was a little afraid that i would get stuck but instead i flew through the entire story so readability wise i think it's a 10 out of 10 mm-hmm. it didn't seem to have many chapters no it definitely seemed like something that you can flow through like none mm-hmm. of it felt like there were stopping points mm-hmm. and it seemed to flow really well between the mindsets of rafa and Dita vida yes So it definitely was very, very readable. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. What did you think of the characters themselves, both Rafa and Vida? I thought it was really nice to have Vida's side of the story told, especially as someone that seemed like a passenger on this whole journey. Mm -hmm. And I think it put a realistic nature to her character in Mm. that you could sense her insecurities, both with her scoliosis and with the fact that she didn't know how to present this relationship to her family. Yeah. So I thought that was really sweet. Totally. And I appreciated that Vita was not only center stage in this Mm -hmm. story, but it reminded me of other aunties who are literally named Tita Vita, where they're they're so helpful, Mm. um, but very little gratitude is shown towards them in terms of how helpful they are. Mm. Do you think that if you're named something, that that's just what you become? Like, if you're named boy, you're that Tito boy? Like, I think so. I think that's that's the power of words and the power of names, no? For example, and this is not to offend anybody, but when you think of chads, chads are a certain way, mm. usually. You think of someone who is very boisterous and bold and uh, kind of annoying. <laughs> but there's also, like, Chadwick Boseman. Chadwick is a different name. His name's not Chad. But some people could call him Chad. Who We don't know that. We don't. Anyways, so the other character that I really liked hearing in this story was Lola Nattis. Like, yes. like we explained. I really like how her character became this more whole character rather than this passive object that we saw on the side. Mm-hmm. And we finally saw the nature of what everyone had admired to for so long. Yes, definitely. How she wasn't just this big character with a fighting spirit, but also a soft character who was very kind and also warm towards those she loves. Mm-hmm. What did you think of Tita Vida's boy toy, Rafa? I thought that he was so sweet. Mm-hmm. And of all the characters, 
with Rafa, I didn't have a particular form or person in mind while I was reading. Mm-hmm. Instead, it was his heart that was showing through to me. Not only did he have this spirit of wanting to keep going with Vida, even though Vida was having a hard time mm-hmm. with their relationship, not only did he have that spirit in him, but he also had such a kindness that was different from the other characters who were men. Well, it was just very grown up. It was much more mature. Right, exactly. Whereas all the other characters seem like 20-year-olds or like yes. late 20s or yes. maybe early 30s. Even Ollie, who is 40, kind of felt like a 20-year-old. Mm-hmm. Actually, Rafa is also 40, so they're the same age. Right, because he's 10 years younger than Vida, who's turning 50. Yes, so Rafa's definitely someone who I'd picture being 40, unlike Ollie. Mm -hmm. So what did you think about this story in general? I loved this story. This felt, even though it was very simple, very straightforward, and easy to follow... I appreciated the complexities of the characters, how the characters were the focus rather Mm -hmm. than the story itself. Mm -hmm. I liked how it was very easy flowing. It seemed like something that I can immerse myself in. Mm -hmm. And after all the previous reads, I appreciated the more minimal amounts of sexy times in the story. I think I've had my fills of sexy <laughs> times. So, I don't know. I really liked how easygoing this was. I thought you saw the complexity in characters. Mm-hmm. You saw the conflicts without there really having been too much conflict. Right. And it just seemed like a very natural state of being for everything that happened. Totally. Very, very true. Yeah. And so, that's our fifth book. Our sixth book is My Only Love by Iman Gabriel. And this book starts with... The blurb for My Only Love says, He's on his way to the White House. She's fighting for women's rights on the streets of D.C. Ten years ago, Drew and Angelica broke off their engagement while in law school. They both attribute their failed relationship to young love and ambition. But when Drew begs Angelica to attend his grandmother's 100th birthday and pretend for one week that they are back together, sparks fly between them. Is it pretend when the feelings from the past never truly went away? The thing is, Angelica doesn't want to be Senator Hizon's number one. Selfish as it may seem, she wants to be his only one, his only love. Mm-hmm. And so Drew is this character that we were introduced in our last read through mm-hmm. Tita Vida. I don't think we've gotten much mention of Drew prior to that. We have. He's been showing up in the parties for some of them. Like, I, I believe in Sophie's. He was mm. there dancing on the dance floor. Mm. And in others, I don't remember specifically which story, but he was talking to his constituents. Mm, I see, I see. So this is where we get to learn the story of Drew, or yes. Andrew. Yes. And he is a senator. We kind of start with this story showing the broken relationship of Drew and Jill, mm-hmm. Angelica. And we very quickly learn that the brokenness happens because... Angelica has fears of falling in love with Drew and seeing him with his other person. Yeah, the assistant person gave her fears and that's what she ran away from. And Mm -hmm. so they have not been in a relationship for 10 years and they end up getting together in the end. And yeah, I thought this story was very nice. Totally. And I think this one was on the verge of sexy time at certain points. I mean, there were some. (laughs) Yes. I thought this story was very much a strong love story. Mm. I think originally I was wondering why this story was 
put into the same collection because it seemed very different. Mm -hmm. The writing style seemed different. The readability seemed much less lighthearted. Mm. It seemed like something with a very serious tone to it. Fair. But still very much a story that was alluring and kept me connected throughout the read. Absolutely. In this fake dating trope, like you mentioned, the pacing made it feel like it was going to be a much longer story Mm -hmm. rather than this quick, short story. Mm -hmm. How did you feel about these two characters that we met? So Angelica, Gel for short, Mm -hmm. was the most believable character in this particular story for me because Mm -hmm. she asked all the questions that I was wondering. Mm -hmm. Like, why would she go back to this family when they've been broken up for 10 years? What would be the purpose of pretending to have a relationship with this person regardless of their history? And from a standpoint of someone who's very insecure in relationships, for me, Jell very much had the same comments running through her brain that I would have had through my brain. So when she went into these concerns about seeing Kate and Drew together and how much that broke her down, Mm -hmm. I kind of very much understood where she was coming from. Fair, fair. Drew, on the other hand, I know he's supposed to be a suave senator, but he didn't come off as that to me. But it could just be his characterization as a human being rather than as a senator in this particular story, since it is so closely woven into his life. Yeah, the way that I looked at it was, if you're a senator, or I hope if you're a senator or somebody, if you're someone of importance, you're not that person of importance when you're back at home. Mm. When you go to a family party, you're no longer whoever you think you are. You could be the CEO of a business, you could be the Mm. president of whatever, but once you go back home to a party... You're that same kid that, like, picked his nose in the corner or, like, (laughs) that dropped this thing over here. Like, you're no longer that role. And so I thought that Drew's character was very much believable. Mm. And I appreciated that he wasn't this uptight kind of person and that he seemed very melted is the word that comes to mind. Like, someone Mm. that was very vulnerable and someone that really was looking for love because he's been looking for her for 10 years. Yeah, for sure. What do you think about him not chasing after her? I thought it was interesting, and at the beginning I was a little confused. Like, why would you not chase after her? Yeah. When Jell later tells her story of that event, and seeing Kate and him together, and she said something along the lines of, like, I need my space, like, I need you to let me be free. Mm. I then understood that from the standpoint of Drew's character... Maybe he wanted to give her what she wanted. Mm. Maybe he didn't want to be intrusive on the things that she was hoping for. And so he was able to create that space. Mm, Definitely. And why... I mean, I know in the book, the explanation that he gives is... He wanted Lola Nati and his mom, Nancy, to be happy. Mm -hmm. Oh, I think that was BS. Exactly. And I'm like... But 10 years and then all of a sudden bringing this up, do you think that to him made it more believable? I mean, I don't know, but it does make for this party to be an excuse. For sure. So in terms of what the overall theme of the book was, which is, in my mind, is kind of acceptance, Mm. it seemed to be the event that could then blossom this relationship all over again. I see. So maybe not 100% believable that 10 years later, all of a sudden this happens. Right. But... In terms of what we're going for in this romantic novel, absolutely. I can see why this was the catalyst. Definitely. 
Another thing that I found interesting about this story is that it's told from a viewpoint that's not by a more family member. Mm-hmm. It's from an Angelica or Jell's viewpoint. Mm-hmm. And I think that ties into the acceptance portion that you're mentioning. That she wanted to feel acceptance by a family and this family just loves her so much. To the point that she's the only reason why Lola Nazi and Nancy would be happy for Drew. Mm-hmm. And that was something that I was also thinking of is with the first four books, we saw that it was a member of the family that didn't feel like they could be accepted. Mm-hmm. And so they kind of blocked themselves off or were working really hard to get into the good graces of the family. Yes. Even though the family had always accepted them all along. Right. What I noticed with the last two reads, though, is that the story was a little bit different. It's still with acceptance, but in a different tone. So when we look at book number five with Vita's story, we see that it's not Vita being accepted. She's well accepted into the family. She's kind of like one of the head figures of this family at this point. Yes. It's whether they accept her relationship or whether they accept Rafa, Mm -hmm. a person outside of the family, Mm -hmm. or this part of Vita that can show love to someone else. So Mm -hmm. it seemed a little bit different. And in this last story, like you said, very much different because we're no longer talking about a character who is one of the family members or the core blood family members, but we're talking about someone that's more found family. And one of the other big differences is that this person is already accepted by the family and we know that she's very much accepted by the family and they're reaching out to her, Mm -hmm. but it's her fighting her own acceptance into this and allowing herself to be a part of this relationship and this partnership and this bigger being of people that want her to be with them. Totally. I can see that. I also noticed there's a line in this book where they talk about the actual song, Pascona Sintako, where they say that this song actually tells of someone searching for his love who left him behind, of broken promises and regrets. Mm-hmm. Which I think says a lot to the nature of what this book is. Yes, absolutely. So, any thoughts on this read overall? This read was very complex in terms of the overall story. Mm-hmm. In that there is always this fighting of should they be together, should they not? They're probably mm-hmm. going to be together because this is how it's going to end up. Mm-hmm. But also, should they still fight for each other in this way? Mm-hmm. So complex in the feelings that I had as a reader, but also complex in the feelings that they had for each other mm-hmm. between Drew and Jell. Overall, though, I think besides it being a fake dating trope, I think that a lot of it was miscommunication or lack of communication that made it so complex for these two characters. Mm-hmm. And originally for me, I was confused why they left this for the last story. Mm-hmm. I could not see where this was going in terms of the compilation of everything that we read. Mm-hmm. It almost seemed like Tita Vida's story was more of a bookmark until we get to the very end And we see this very happy ending. And I would say this one, with the complexities like you explained, kind of made the ending even more happy. Mm. It made it so that the conclusions seem like we can share in the joy with the characters. Mm -hmm. And not only Drew and Jell, but the mom and like the children, the other daughters in the back and stuff. So it seemed like a great ending to this whole compilation of stories. Mm. Not to mention it happened after the party, which we hadn't seen yet. Everything else was happening pretty much within the party. For sure. Or before the party, but not after. Fair, fair. I do still wish, though, that there was a Lola Nati story. 
Mm. I think that's one of the things that I was a little bit bummed out about is that we never really got to see Lola Nati's love story. Right. And it could have been something in the past. It could have been something about all the kids around her or something. Right. But I wish that that was included in this. I felt the same way. I was really hopeful that it would be a Lola Nati and Granda Robert story. Mm-hmm. Like you said, it could have been in the past and it could have been something that brought her to the past because she saw a picture. Mm-hmm. Or maybe she's telling a story to Vida because something came up in her mind while she was sleeping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I also wish that there was a Lola Nazi story. Or she finds like a new person. Oh. Like another centenarian or maybe Ooh. a 50 year old half the oh, age. Oh my word. Maybe two 50 year olds sat oh. up to her age. But who knows? But I, yeah, I wish there was some form of Lola Nazi's story within this whole thing. Because now we're just kind of left here wondering who is this big figure that this whole book is revolving around? Exactly, exactly. With that though, did you have a favorite of the six stories? I think my favorite now is Tita Vida with Rafa. Mm. And I think it's because of the maturity of the story, one, the simplicity of the story, two, as well as wanting so much for Tita Vida to have a happy ending and having a love story for herself rather than just being a background character. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For me, I think it was Oliver's story. Now that I think back on it, I think that was the lightest, the silliest, Mm. with a lot of conflict within the primary character of Oliver. Totally. But it was such a fun read of him just being this cartoonish character that bounced around place to place. Mm. I think I really liked it for that reason. And it seemed like the largest change. Like, even when we read Tita Vida's story in book number five, Mm -hmm. she was like, yeah, Ollie's kicked out. And we finally found out, like, yeah, she just left him off the guest list because she's like, "Uh, he just left us. Right, he left us with the bill. He left us with the planning. Yeah, and she said she had to dive into her, like, extra funds just to cover his portion. So now we know why Ollie was kicked out. So Mm -hmm. it seemed like the biggest turnaround. With that said, though, I wish in Tita Vida's story that that had come up again. I know that it would have maybe set that whole story apart a little bit mm-hmm. and it would have broke down the flow of it. But it, I think it would have been cool to have seen Ollie's entrance into that party with seeing Tita Vida because it seemed like such a big moment. Right, 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 right. Do you feel like you would have changed the order of any of these stories? The first four stories, no. But I still wish Tita Vida's story was the end if mm-hmm. we weren't going to have Lola Nati's love story. Mm-hmm. I agree. I feel like the last story had such good content mm-hmm. that it really did become a good bookmarker for the read. Mm. But I felt like in terms of who the characters were and what these stories were telling, it would have been really cool to get Tita Vida's story last. Or I would have much rather had a Lola Nati story to end all of these stories. Yes. All right. So, we're going to get into our next book. But before we do, Mm -hmm. as I was reading this, all I could think of was it would be really cool to make this book into a movie. Mm. I kept thinking this would make such a great movie. Like, Mm. Crash, where the stories interconnect at all times. Mm -hmm. And you see a ton of Filipinos at this party. Everyone's jamming out. Some senators on this side. And you break off into these different stories Mm -hmm. and you see the different relationships that are forming. And yeah, I felt like it would be such a great movie. Mm -hmm. I think 
Jokoi, I doubt that you're listening to this, but if you are, I know you want to make more productions, so yes. you should make this movie, calling you out. But what I thought of was, all right, if this should be a movie, we should do a preview. Okay. So Jemay has no idea what's going on right now. I do not. I gave her a list of different quotes that I want her to say. Uh-huh. And she's going to help me out by voicing some of the characters. Mm-hmm. And so this is going to be the movie. This December comes a holiday movie for the ages. In the chilly air of Napo, one family is brought together to celebrate a centennial birthday. Happy birthday, Lolonati. It's here that we follow six remarkable journeys to find love. There's Ruby, the baby of the family, trying to prove herself through her cooking. You sure you can handle it? Sophie, the podcaster who puts everything out in the open except her true love. You guys are not going to believe the bumble date I went on last week. Oliver, the outcast of the family trying to find his way back in. I'm sorry, you can't just enter. And many, many more. Special cameo by Vin Diesel. It's all about family. (laughs) Join us in this celebration of Christmas spirit and birthdays as we watch these individuals find acceptance and love. Insert Pascona Sintaco music. Coming December 2024. Pascona, my love. Wow. Right? That sounds so cool. <laughs> I feel like this would make such a good movie. It would make a good movie. Like, even if it is a Hallmark movie or a TLC movie or a lifestyle movie. Or a Netflix special show go. or whatever. I feel like this could be a real thing. I think we can highlight a lot of cool new Filipino, Filipina actresses out yes. there. So we're going to tag all all the authors in this <laughs> we're gonna get this moving because i really want to see this as a movie yes but with that said this ends this book pasco now my love which is written by six wonderful authors mm-hmm. all having different styles but all telling really great stories yes and then it leads us into our next read this next book is special because the author is part of one of the book clubs that i'm a part of and we kindly got a review copy and we're so excited to jump into this book Mm -hmm. so this is kind of both our picks it's not one pick that was blindly done this time Mm -hmm. and so we're really excited to just kind of get to reading yes and the title of the book is multo by cindy fazi the back of the book says filipino american bounty hunter domingo has made a career of catching criminal undocumented immigrants He's the best in the business, and it isn't lost on him that he's so good because of his similarities to his targets. Despite Domingo's claims that he is unsympathetic to their plight, he spends his spare moments on stakeouts and in-between jobs writing a book of advice for aspiring immigrants. Brash, funny, and candid, he compiles the names of all the people he's apprehended, documenting the hazards of his profession, and imparting advice to foreigners who dare to dream of life in America. Domingo's latest job is finding biracial Filipino woman Monica Reed for the third time. Monica is the only fugitive who has ever escaped him and the only one he's ever released, against orders. As he embarks on a third and final hunt for her, Domingo uncovers a dangerous truth that Monica was determined to publicize even though it put her life in danger. And as he chases her around the country, despite his agreement to arrest people like Monica, Domingo finds himself taking her side. Flushing out immigrants whose biggest crime was clinging to the American dream pales in comparison to getting justice for a woman who he discovers was living in the shadows, but was only ever searching for the truth. 
full of action and humor, molto is also a meditation on what it means to be unwelcome and unwanted in a country you love and the sacrifices such love requires. Mm-hmm. And so a little bit about the author. Cindy Fazi is a Filipino-American writer and former Associated Press reporter. She's worked as a journalist in the Philippines, Taiwan, and the United States. She currently lives in the Sacramento area in California. You can find her online at cindyfazi.com, Cindy, C-I-N-D-Y, Fazi, F-A-Z-Z-I, and at Cindy Fazi on social media. Yep. And so we're going to be reading Molto by mm-hmm. Cindy Fazi. Mm-hmm. What is our first read going to be? For our first read, for those who are following along in the book, we're reading pages 1 through 75. But for everyone, we're reading chapters 1 through 9 for our first read of Molto. Right. And this book is available in physical form. Mm-hmm. I believe there's an e-reader copy and an audiobook that you can also get. Yes. If you don't see this at your library, just a fun fact and something you might have to do for a lot of these authors who are Asian or Asian American because they're mm-hmm. not spotlighted on a common basis mm-hmm. is you might have to go into your library and request this book. Yeah. So kind of look around the website and there are places that you can do that. So if you request it, you're adding this book into the collection that someone else might pick up and find. So don't feel shy about doing it. Yes. Please read along with us. That's going to be Molto by Cindy Fazi. But we just finished Pascona, My Love by six authors. And if you enjoyed the book, if you have anything that you wanted to share, I honestly hope that you're going to have a great holidays with your family Mm -hmm. and spend time together with whoever you want to spend time together with. And if you want someone else to spend it with, you can always spend it with us. So how can people get in touch with us? You can email us at asianbookclubpod at gmail.com or you can join the conversation or DM us while our DMs are still open at Instagram at asianbookclubpod. Yep, and you can also find us at our website, which is asianbookclubpod.com. That has our bookstore, that has past reads, current reads, and books that we plan to read. And a great way to support us on this podcast is to rate, review, and subscribe. Otherwise, be happy, be healthy, and read a book. Ingat! Bye!